everybody for coming. I'll just give a, a quick introduction to Yoke. Uh, um, so myself and Yoke uh, met each other when we were doing our PhD in London School of Economics. So his supervisor was Pissaridi, so he can claim his uh, supervisor won the Nobel Prize, which is good. <laughs> um, the, the second thing is um, his, his work, basically, we did it was in I.O., labor economics, so he's done good bits of stuff on productivity, FDI, etc., which is what's more or less today, but also he's done uh, a lot of work on more kind of labor market restructuring issues, right? Um, but you can be your own chair, and I'm sure you can take questions. And Great. thanks for coming over today. Yeah. Thanks. It's, a, it's an exciting time to come back to Dublin. <laughs> it has been about, I think, six, seven years now, really. Uh, uh, on the way from the airport, I couldn't see that much change though. So, but I maybe should go into town and to check out what people and journalists are saying. The new roads. Uh, there, well, that's, that's true, the new roads are there. So what uh, I'm going to talk about is um, a paper that, got, that, that was inspired by some recent events in Belgium. Um, and so I think this picture says it all. We have a, an Opel factory, uh, which is uh, an affiliate of GM in Antwerp. It's supposed to be one of the most productive factories in Europe, in the uh, GM network, yet they are closing down. Um, while at the same time, there is an expansion of production going on in Germany, uh, Slovak Republic and some other parts in Europe. And so the big question here is, um, why is an efficient plant closing down? And can we learn something about the behavior of multinationals and their geographic dispersion uh, in terms of um, their employment decisions? Um, and so um, what I want to do is first I'll, uh, you know, try to give some arguments why I think it's an interesting topic to study, especially in these days. Um, then uh, I will talk a little bit about literature that I could find on this topic. I'll talk a little bit about methodology results and then, and then I'll wrap up and, and, and would be very much interested in, in hearing your uh, suggestions. Question? Yeah? Are you sure the plant is efficient? Every plant that shuts down, the union, um, leader, the union leader says it's a fantastic plant. Yeah, so there have been uh, in, uh, inter-country comparisons of the different factories uh, on the demand of the uh, uh, Flemish and Belgian government. Um, in the negotiations in uh, how to uh, uh, close down the plant in particular. Um, and so purely based on economic grounds, there's not much difference between, say, the plant in, uh, in Antwerp and the plant in, uh, in, uh, in where it is, is it, uh, in Germany somewhere. Um, there are other factors, of course, which you could argue why the decision has fallen to close down the, the, the Antwerp plant and could be related to union uh, act, uh, uh, action uh, could be related to other issues as well, in particular the, log the, the logistical chain uh, around Antwerp, uh, which has become perhaps inefficient. But I'm, I'm not going to tune into that. But there are a number of reasons which could uh, also be added to the reason why the Antwerp plant, plant is closing down and, and others are not. I will uh, start arguing for uh, uh, in, into a different direction, which is more related to uh, the ownership structure of multinational ent enterprises, and, and in particular whether uh, there is a home bias uh, or not um, related to restructuring decisions. Um, so. Uh, so far, there has been a lot of work on, on multinationals. Um, and so we know now that multinationals typically pay higher wages, they tend to be more productive, and they also tend to generate technological spillovers. Um, uh, so I want to look at how multinationals decide on their uh, employment uh, strategy. And there's not that much work uh, around in this, uh, in this area. Um, yet you do see that uh, this is a topic of increased concern, especially in, in the uh, wake of the global crisis. Uh, politicians are very much concerned about this. I, I have a quote here of Lord Mendelssohn, uh, it goes back to the, an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, uh, earlier this year. He says, denuding a country of any headquarters has important consequences, especially for the associated investment in local charities and infrastructures. Of course, I, I wouldn't have expected that kind of argument. Of course, it's a politician. Uh, but uh, at, uh, clearly, he also kind of uh, feels there is some uh, uh, positive externality of having headquarters uh, in a particular country. More recently, 
Canada has uh, stepped up its legislation, uh, its takeover legislation, in, in, in the sense that it's, it's uh, becoming more difficult for foreign companies to take over uh, Canadian uh, companies, with a view also of trying to keep uh, important or big companies uh, in, uh, in, can, in, in, uh, in Canadian ownership. Uh, and so uh, this research is to be placed in that recent trend in political decision-making where uh, in a number of countries you uh, seem to see a different form of industrial policy, you could call it, uh, where, um, where there is uh, actually uh, policy, policy decisions taken to kind of anchor uh, their own companies uh, through certain legislation in their, uh, in their home countries. And so I'll, I'll tune in on that, whether there's some rationale behind this or not. Um, in fact, in Belgium, there was a long debate uh, on this issue also in, in the late 80s, early 90s. But back then, there was no hard evidence supporting the idea that anchoring companies in the particular region has any uh, uh, beneficial effects. So what I want to uh, do with this research is get some better insight in employment creation and destruction uh, of multinational enterprises. We know multinational enterprises are important, especially in small open economies like those in Belgium but obviously also in Ireland. Um, and then second, uh, if there is a negative shock, uh, like uh, we are experiencing now, how do multinationals uh, react to uh, employment reductions? And so what, what I will be doing is I will compare headquarter performance with the performance uh, of their affiliates. Uh, and so in particular, what, what we'll be asking in this paper is whether restructuring efforts, uh, whether they are proportionally distributed. So if you have a negative shock, uh, uh, affecting the multinational enterprises group, do you see employment reductions proportionately in all its affiliates or is there disproportionately an effect on, say, its, affi its affiliates versus headquarters? Um, so uh, there is a, a little bit of evidence uh, on this. A couple of papers, uh, they, they really look at the uh, uh, geographic dispersion um, of multinationals uh, to analyze how uh, employment decisions are being distributed in the United States. Um, there is a paper in Italy that looks at the effects of FDI uh, where they find that there's a home bias effect, so in, in particular that uh, headquarters tend to invest uh, more than uh, in their headquarters than in, in, in the affiliates. Um, and there's some work that looks at uh, uh, distribution of profits and revenues. Uh, La Fontaine is a recent one. Um, uh, she investigates how distance has an effect uh, on uh, revenue. And basically, she finds that increasing distance from headquarters is uh, decreasing revenue. Um, there's also uh, some work that uh, looks at the uh, dispersion uh, and corporate decision making. Um, and in particular, uh, there are a couple of papers in uh, finance journals that find that there's a home bias uh, through imperfect information and, and agency costs. And in particular, the idea is that, uh, that headquarters tend to concentrate their val valuable assets close to the headquarters, uh, where it's much easier to monitor these valuable assets. Think of research and development activities and other intangible uh, assets, which uh, are valuable to the firm, uh, they want to, uh, the, the argument is it's easier to control that and to monitor uh, it, it at headquarters. Um, there's another strand in literature uh, coming from sociology that kind of says there is a home bias because of so social network effects. And in particular, um, it's going to be much harder if we uh, think in terms of employment reductions, uh, it's going to be much harder to restructure, uh, to uh, lay off people um, headquarters uh, because the manager uh, typically would face these people um, also in uh, social context. Uh, uh, it's going to be much harder to fire the uh, daddy of uh, your son's best friend uh, than who you bump into every day when dropping off your kid at school compared to sacking uh, an employee who is like a uh, thousand kilometers uh, away in one of your affiliates. And the idea there is that there's this social network that's going on and therefore there's a bias in favor of uh, preserving employment at headquarters. Um, and in fact, there is some 
case study evidence that these type of effects are going on. Uh, uh, I used to study, uh, in fact, Paul as well, we, uh, in the 90s. We uh, went a couple of times to Russia, where the transition process took place. Um, and so there was a big puzzle why privatization didn't really work. The, all these state firms were being privatized, yet they remained inefficient. And for people like Jeffrey Sachs, this was a bit of a puzzle because privatization should enhance efficiency. In Russia, this did not happen. And that was exactly the reason. Um, uh, many uh, firms were kind of local monopsonists and managers tended not to uh, engage in restructuring because they feared uh, retaliation uh, uh, from, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in different ways social, from a social point of view. And so that's uh, uh, one of the explanations that could be uh, uh, dominating when, when you see a home bias. I'm not going to go into kind of exploring these various uh, channels through which a home bias may emerge. And in fact, I will find a, uh, I will report a home bias. Um, but, uh, and, and that's actually what the paper does, uh, just looking first for evidence whether there is a home bias going on or not. Uh, but of course, later on, I, I will want, want to find ways of trying to test which kind of the theories could kind of explain that. So um, the setup is extremely simplistic. Um, I had a choice either to just come up with a structural model, but the structural model is quite complicated in the sense that you need to kind of have a decision model about um, setting up affiliates, about um, then allocating employment depending on differences in labor costs and so forth in the different affiliates across different countries. Um, that will have been one approach. Uh, I chose a different approach, which is a kind of reduced form approach, where I basically say, look, I'm going to analyze how employment evolves, uh, and I want to have a number of typical control factors for that devolution in employment, uh, and then I want to just look at whether there's a headquarter effect or not. So what this equation does, it's um, the employment in firm I at a particular period in time T of a multinational J, in a particular country. Um, uh, we assume it uh, depends on last year's employment, which makes sense. If you're a big firm today, you're going to be likely to be a big firm tomorrow, so there's some persistence in, in, the, in the data. And then we have a dummy, which is equal to one if the firm is a headquarter, uh, and zero L, so if it's an affiliate. Uh, and then we control for uh, group-specific effects. Basically, we kind of control for the fact whether these affiliates uh, belong to the same multinational or not. Um, and then we control for a number of other factors, and, and, but I'll talk about it later on as we go along. Um, so we estimate this thing in growth uh, terms, so but by just subtracting uh, lagged employment uh, from left, right, and then you get it in growth terms. And so the uh, coefficient of interest to us is, of course, beta 1. So what we do is uh, we have data from Amadeus. It's uh, um, uh, annual income statements of firms. Uh, but we also have information whether the firm is a headquarter firm and we also have the information uh, of whether the firm has affiliates. Uh, and in particular, we know whether the affiliates are based uh, in Belgium, which is our main data set, or whether they are based somewhere else uh, in Europe. Um, so it could be that you have like one uh, multinational enterprise with, say, five affiliates in Belgium, a headquarter in Belgium, and two affiliates uh, in uh, France and Spain. Um, and so we have a full set, basically a full set of uh, uh, patterns in the data. Um, it's a good data set in the sense that the Belgian uh, company uh, account legislation requires all incorporated uh, companies to submit full, to submit full or abbreviated uh, company accounts to the uh, central bank, uh, which are used for uh, fiscal purposes. So we actually have almost the entire population of firms uh, in, in Belgium. Uh, and we track them uh, for a period uh, of about 10 years, between 1996 and 2005, um, which is uh, uh, a period where we didn't have major shocks uh, and, and seems to be a good period to analyze. Um, so what we then do is, of course, it's very difficult to identify a firm, whether a firm uh, restructures or not. Uh, and so we kind of assume then a firm is restructuring and we can play around with different definitions, of course. But we assume a firm is restructuring, a multinational is restructuring, if we observe that the uh, entire multinational enterprise is declining over the time frame that we're analyzing. 
And so we kind of uh, approach this question then, uh, by looking at the group of declining multinational enterprises versus a group of growing uh, multinational enterprises. And the declining multinational enterprises, we assume these are uh, multinational enterprises that go through a phase of serious restructuring. Uh, and then we analyze whether the effects of headquarters in this declining group is different than the effects of headquarters in the, in the growing group. Um, we experiment also, and I'll report that, um, by looking at uh, balanced panels versus unbalanced panels. So what we have in our data, we have some attrition. So fir some firms enter and exit the data set could be for various reasons. Um, and so to check whether we have some uh, bias because of this attrition, we also will do some experiments just using a balanced panel where we uh, observe firms from the beginning to the period till the end of the period. Um, so this is a data overview. So what we have is about um, the 1,500 Belgian uh, uh, affiliates. Um, and then we have the distribution of the affiliates across the different, uh, different countries. So for instance, we have a substantial number of firms in, um, in France. Um, Germany uh, is about 7% of the affiliates located. Uh, which makes sense that we have kind of uh, disproportionately more firms uh, in the neighboring countries compared uh, to the other countries, like the Netherlands, we also have about 7% of the affiliates located. Um, so Belgium, Netherlands and France are, are the main trading partners of Belgium. And so in that sense, it makes sense that in fact, uh, most of the affiliates are also located in these uh, countries. But we also have uh, affiliates in other countries, United Kingdom, also about 6%. Hungary, not even 1%, and so on. Um, so um, we have about 450 headquarters in our sample, so Belgian headquarters. Um, on average, we have about uh, 3,000 affiliates. Um, and so we have both manufacturing firms and non-manufacturing firms. So about 28% of our uh, data, and we classify these according to headquarters, uh, are operating in uh, manufacturing, um, uh, the rest is in, in non-manufacturing, including construction. Yeah. Um, so there are some typical summary statistics on average. These are big firms, 205 employees in headquarters, on average 140 in affiliates. That's uh, a typical pattern in these multinational data, that typically headquarters have more employment than, than in affiliates. And the employment growth is about 4.7% uh, uh, in headquarters on average uh, over the sample period and 3.2% uh, in, in the affiliates. Um, is it? This gives you some first rough look at the data. It's the average employment growth uh, in headquarters and in affiliates uh, over the sample period. And so what we see is the uh, rather stable line is the uh, average employment growth in uh, headquarters and the um, declining line is the average employment growth in, in affiliates. So what seems to be the case is on average that um, it looks like affiliates uh, are much more volatile in, in terms of employment growth, while um, headquarters seem to be more stable. Of course, um, there's a lot of heterogeneity behind these average uh, data. And so there could be also uh, certain trends which we want to control for. And so what we will do in the analysis is therefore uh, uh, try to take uh, some of these aspects into account. But this already suggests that there is some different behavior in headquarters compared to affiliates. When you look at average employment growth in manufacturing, again, you see a similar pattern. You see that the um, uh, uh, volatility of employment growth in affiliates is stronger compared to the volatility in employment growth in, in the uh, headquarters. So it looks like the general pattern you see in the data uh, over here for both manufacturing and non-manufacturing is also uh, there uh, in the manufacturing sector. Um, so let's talk about some results. Um, so we, uh, I report a, a number uh, uh, of different uh, specifications. Uh, so, um, different samples actually, we slice the data in different uh, samples. Uh, the first column gives um, the results for the full sample and then we look at samples where uh, the multinational as a group is growing over the sample period versus the multinational as a group is declining over the sample period. So if you look at the first column here for all observations, 
The first thing which is reassuring is, uh, is of course, that big firms tend to grow slower than, than uh, small firms, and that's being confirmed by the negative uh, size effect um, uh, uh, by uh, proxying this by the lagged uh, number of employees. Um, but what's the most interesting part, of course, here is this uh, headquarter dummy. So um, uh, what we're picking up there is that it seems to be the case that on average, headquarters have a better employment performance of about 2.5% compared to affiliates. Um, all these equations include uh, these fixed effects for multinationals and also year dummies. So this is a way of kind of filtering out, if you like, cyclical fluctuations, although we only have like a sample of 10 years. What we do next is then we uh, split the sample into uh, the growing and declining multinationals. And uh, this effect remains uh, positive and significant, but it's actually bigger for the declining group. And uh, we find that um, uh, when multinationals are declining, uh, the, um, the uh, harm or the job destruction is less severe in, uh, in headquarters. And that's given by this uh, positive uh, and significant uh, headquarter dummy. Of course, you could say, um, well, uh, it could be related to differences um, of the cycle in the different sectors because there's a lot of heterogeneity. Uh, and so we now kind of uh, pool all sectors together, manufacturing, non-manufacturing. So what we do then is, um, uh, as uh, extra controls, we kind of uh, include sales growth at the sector level, two-digit sector level, um, uh, and we include productivity growth at the two-digit se sector level as controls. We take it from an external source, the EU CLEMS data set. Yeah? Um, so I'm understanding that headquarter, I mean, if, if, if you're a headquarter, you're more likely to have higher growth in employment? Yeah. So then, given this sort of sociology argument that you said about it's harder to fire your, shouldn't they be forward-looking and say, okay, well, since it's going to be harder to fire these people, maybe um, we should hire less or yeah, uh, that the turnover will be lower. Yeah, right. That that's that's a good point. I I don't think um, it's necessarily inconsistent with what we, we find here because this looks at net employment growth. Right, um, and so I think uh, a good measure for measuring such turbulence would be kind of looking at the um, at actually the job additions and the job destructions of the individual plants and even departments. Um, in fact, we, that's something we could do based on the difference differences in affiliates. Uh, I mean, I mean the set of affiliates we have. We haven't done it yet, but it's a good suggestion. We could actually look. We could come up with a measure of turbulence where you would expect indeed what you say is that the job creation of one particular, uh, the gross job creation rate of one particular multinational and the gross job destruction rate of one particular multinational, if you add them together, would be lower compared to, uh, to others. Um, but then we need to have individual plant level data. So um, we haven't done it so far. Um, what, we, what this graph suggests that I showed you earlier, in fact, is, in, is indeed the, the kind of thing you, you suggest. I mean, the average employment growth seems to be much more stable. It's positive though, but much more stable compared to the average uh, employment growth of the affiliates. And so that would be in line with what you suggest. In fact, that if they are forward looking, that they would be also more careful in hiring people. Now, of course, um, what these results uh, suggest is, um, is in fact, uh, in particular, in, if you look at the declining group, is that uh, the job destruction will be lower. Uh, if you're in a declining path, the job destruction will be lower. Uh, and so then if you would expect, um, if the group is increasing, the job creation should in fact also be lower in a steady state. And that's indeed not, not uh, what seems to be the, the case at this stage. Yeah, that's something, it's, it's good to think about it, yeah? Two, two quick points. Um, so you're saying that, that the, in the graphs, the employment growth in the headquarters is more stable. But um, what struck me about it is just basically hit zero, right? Um, so it's an average, yeah. 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 So, 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 so another sort of interpretation of this is that headquarters are sort of like a fixed cost. But, you know, you said so to set up a multinational company, mm. everybody needs a building, everybody needs you know, the accountants and the marketers and, and so on. 
and then there's some, you know, there's a plant technology to produce mm. stuff, and it's that's a that's a marginal cost, right? You need you know you have four plants or three plants, but maybe the size of the headquarters where they do the R and D or mm -hmm. the sales strategy, or maybe that doesn't really multiply from if you have three plants versus yep. versus one plant, you still got to do the same kind of stuff. So, I mean that that's one. Right. So, 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 as the firm's employment is expanding or contracting because it's opening and closing plants, the headquarters maybe doesn't change that much. Sure. That's another. Um, that that's a, uh, that that would be a, a, a definitely a potential explanation. The um, the point here is, of course, that we don't uh, track whether the firm is in fact opening a new affiliate or closing a new affiliate. So. What we really look at here is changes in the um, so-called intensive margin, right? So um, in order to kind of come up with uh, fingerprint evidence on, of your story, uh, we should embark upon looking at the extensive margin. In particular, it would, and we have to check whether it's feasible to do that. Um, in fact, what would be very interesting here is to split this declining group into kind of, you know, it's changes in the intensive margin, like it's, yeah, you know, versus it's really a closure of, of, a, of a plant. And that's something, uh, I'm not sure whether with the data at hand we can do that, uh, but it's definitely worth trying. Um, the question I have was a bit about the interpretation of the dummy statistic. So you started out and you said this was a level, a level of progression with the level of employment. And then you said, okay, I'm going to do it in growth and subtract all yeah. employment from each side. But as a kind of a macro kind of person, used to dynamic equations and so on, I still see that I still think of the coefficients as being level coefficients. Yeah. Um, right? Although you got sales growth and productivity growth in there because it's a growth, but you know the, the interpretation of the coefficient on the on the x variables doesn't change just because you subtracted. Right. Yeah. But yeah. But given that we kind of have fixed effects in there, right? So I would argue the variation we pick up is a, is a time variation rather than a cross section variation. Um, and, and so, uh, and in that sense, it's true. I could have estimated it just like with, with a level of employment or lagged employment, uh, and whether I do it in growth rates is exact. It should be exactly the same. But the point is that we include fixed effects, and so in that sense, we would pick up the, the time variation, and the change in time variation is driving then the coefficients rather than the, 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 the cross-section variation. That's also the reason why we include, in fact, the sales growth and productivity growth at the two-digit NA sector, just to make sure that, like, you know, if there is kind of different sectoral composition, say, in, in Belgium, we all produce cars, and in France, that affiliate is producing uh, seats of those cars, you know, there's different sexual composition and these sexes have different shocks, the, the, we, in the first uh, three columns we don't capture that and that's why we can... There's a Leontia technology between car seats and cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we kicked out the cars, <laughs> too sensitive, <laughs> too much in decline. Yeah. All right, you had a question, Paul? Just two things, um, when you talk about headquarters, I clearly these are not... Um, Belgian companies, right? So it's in the US It's all Belgian headquarter companies. So it's. Yeah. The ownership is not. Yes, it's like it's. It, headquarters is defined as a, a firm with at least 50% uh, of shares in Belgian ownership. Oh, so they are Belgian companies. Yeah. So for instance, Umicore. Uh, it's um, it's a great company. You should buy shares of that. <laughs> I just bought. Umicore uh, uh, is is a is a company that produces batteries, yeah. and, and it's into recycling. And that's kind of, that's that will be in the data set. Like um, it, yeah, it. So my, my first kind yeah. of question was that um, it's 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 like Carlos, which just to add to it is um, it's clear that headquarters. Like, so we have some headquarters here that are going for low cooperation tax and they're building in R&D facilities, you know what I mean? So they're kind of doing something fundamentally different to what's actually going on in the value chain, yep. right? But part of me thinks when it comes to uh, one issue you're not talking about maybe is sort of corporate governance structures. Right? Yep. So it's not clear to me um, how companies actually set up their, like, their global initiatives. Like sometimes... Yep. Like I, I don't know that nature that well, but I did hear of you know these choppers, you know that 
these independent guys who go around to different companies, even headquarters. They have one of them here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the IMF. You know, something like that. So they, they set it up in a, in a role that they're looking for efficiency in games yeah. and they're chopping and they purposely set them up and need to avoid these. Uh, yeah. Like you saw the movie with German Clooney. You know, like yeah. They even subcontracted to another company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of me thinks that this whole home bias thing is not a good story for that reason, right? Yeah. Um, but Carl's story is a good story in the sense that I think they do fundamentally different things, right? Yeah. But if you believe in that, though, what I'm a little concerned of is here you're doing what I call a horizontal yeah. run in the data. Why not to do a vertical run in the sense that you know there's the affiliates of the company, right? Yeah. And you understand probably they're in different countries and different yeah. sectors. And you could actually try to correlate what's happening to the employment of affiliates with the, with the mothership, you know? Yeah. And you could actually see whether there is a reallocation along a vertical line yeah. to kind of get a sense of what's happening during the different years, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a kind of a horizontal cut on it, for sure. Yeah, no, no, and, and so um, it's it's uh, it, it that's clearly uh, relevant, especially if we want to kind of understand better the, the global supply chain. Um, so what we have here is, and I'll show you in a minute the other results, is we just slice the data based on headquarters um, affiliation uh, with uh, uh, based on headquarters classification into particular sectors. Like um, so, uh, for instance, this uh, this table here shows the results when you just have manufacturing headquarters. Um, of course, it could well be that the affiliates are not in manufacturing, but they are in distribution. Yeah, but so the, I mean, the, 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 it depends a little bit of what you really want to know about, you know, is it really, you know, the global supply chain you want to understand or is it you, that you want to know something about how employment is allocated irrespective of uh, whether you're in manufacturing uh, as a headquarter and then you serve and, and then your affiliates are maybe both manufacturing and services. Uh, and so um, I can imagine that if you are a big company, a, a multinational group, and you're in general restructuring, then you're going to perhaps also uh, look at slicing jobs um, in the affiliates which are perhaps operating in different sectors. Like if, say, you have a negative shock, and, the, and because of that you can produce less, also distribution centers uh, will be affected accordingly. Um, of course, the entire issue is about outsourcing and outsourcing administrative uh, uh, things uh, related to tax incentives. And, and, but then, then we would go, have to go along that route, so I agree. The other yeah. thing comes to mind on the sociology theory is that if you have, these are Belgium-owned headquarters, right? They probably have affiliates in Belgium or in Belgium. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, if they're in the well, Bologna, doesn't have much. They put the jobs first, or something. You know? Yeah. So you can actually see that what they'll do is protect employment and affiliates within the home country. Yeah, I'll show you that. So these are the results for manufacturing. What we what we have here is that the results are actually persistent and even stronger. Uh, so we see, for instance, um, if you look at the sixth column when the group declines and we have all the controls of sales and productivity, then the headquarter dummy is about uh, 9%. So you have a 9% better performance in terms of jobs. Um, uh, so it looks like the effect is stronger in manufacturing compared to non-manufacturing. Um, perhaps this is due to the fact that uh, they're more melted, uh, uh, that, that maybe it's due to, to fixed costs or technology and things like that. We, I'm not going to go into that, but that's, it's it's an interesting phenomenon uh, to see that, that in non-manufacturing it's less intensive and perhaps it's to do with relocation uh, constraints as well. To tune in on, on, uh, on your, uh, um, on your um, question, uh, what we've done is uh, we've uh, looked at the effect of distance. And so, uh, in fact, when, once we control for distance, um, we see that the headquarter dummy is no longer significant. Um, so, which goes a little bit in your direction, which says, you know, if it's affiliates which are close in the proximity of the headquarter, then you're going to have more stable jobs. And that's in fact what you pick up with this uh, distance effect. We still find that, say, um, for um, manufacturing there's still a positive coefficient, no longer significant, but the distance is kicking in, uh, in, in, a, in a serious way. If this is for the entire sample, this is for manufacturing. 
Um, so then the next question is also, you know, if, yeah. It's the distance between the headquarter and the affiliate. How is the distance between headquarter and headquarter measured? Um, it's it's uh, zero. Um, so there's only one headquarter per firm. Well, right. Yeah. But, you know, the log is zero. Um, so okay. Exactly yeah. What you're doing I, I have to check how we did it. I, I guess if it's like the the, I guess we probably I put it like one. Say you use yeah. the map and you got yeah. kilometers. It, it, we, well, yeah, I, I don't remember how we did it, but but that's a good point. Like the log distance of zero is isn't, isn't, yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that's sort of proof. Oh, he's he's going to kill you already. Right. Yeah. Because you know, even if you put in like you know what yeah. we always do the trade, right? You put yeah. Point zero 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 one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What is by definition almost your oldest part of your firm is your headquarters. Right. Uh, we know that when firms become multinationals, their first affiliates tend to be relatively close. Yeah. Because they're also going to be their oldest affiliates. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just wondering if part of what you're picking up with the headquarters, I mean, with the, the distance measure, is something about the age of the particular unit. Right. That's a, a very good point. Um, I don't remember if Amadeus has establishment. Um, no, no, so, so the, it would, inf in fact, Amadeus doesn't have information on the age structure of um, the workers in the first place, it, but it does have um, information on the date of incorporation of the uh, firm. So, in fact, what we could but check. The affiliate. And of the affiliate as well, in fact. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very good point, yeah. No, and that's a part of the life cycle. You, you could say, like in the, in the sense, like it's uh, first in, uh, last out. Huh? That's the kind of it principle. Could go either yeah. way, right? It could be the new plant that you've opened is the marginal plant that has the least in the way of large. Yeah, I mean, investments sunk into it, and so that's what you. It, it, so can, you it can go either way. Facilities first. Okay. Yeah, if you if you think of. Yeah. And it could differ from industry to yeah. industry. It could, um, like, if you, I, I'm, like, if you think of the trade uh, model, the trade uh, empirical trade work on uh, adding and uh, dropping products, then then you also often see that expansion happens initially with the core products, uh, and then you get other products. But then when there's a shock, the other products go first, and you fall back to your core product. So that's a little bit then goes the other way. But it would be interesting to, to kind of uh, do that because it, it would get at, at the story of, of uh, I mean, it would, would start kind of go into more an explanation of why we find this headquarter effect. In particular, you might think that this might be somehow in more heavily unionized countries, yeah. both, yeah. the firing costs for... No, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that might give yeah. some of the motivations for why you're seeing yeah. And in fact, that could also explain why in manufacturing you see bigger effects because manufacturing is certainly more union, unionized compared to non-manufacturing. Um, you have more blue-collar workers in manufacturing and they are typically more unionized production workers, we would say, yeah. So um, to tune in a little bit on this, on this distance story, uh, and I think it is true that distance is to a large extent correlated with a headquarter dummy. That's also why headquarter dummies become insignificant. We also did an experiment where we said, like, uh, let's now include not only a headquarter dummy, but let's also include uh, uh, a dummy for when the affiliate is Belgium-based, so close to the headquarter, basically. The idea there is uh, if you want to have control in the headquarters um, uh, over valuable assets, affiliates which are close to the headquarters, is also e they are also easy to control and to, to monitor. Or the story that you're raising could also be a story. And the social, uh, the social uh, network story is also one uh, that could be added. These are the results. So what we have here is, is we have two, uh, we have added an extra dummy. The uh, apart from the headquarter dummy, we have a, a dummy for Belgian affiliates. Uh, 
Um, and so what we see, in fact, is that the coefficient, when you look at the restructuring uh, for, uh, subsample, you, you can see, in fact, that uh, uh, headquarter dummy kicks in significantly, 9%. Um, the affiliate uh, dummy, when it's based in Belgium, is actually very similar to the headquarter dummy. So this kind of suggests that social networks may be important. Uh, Belgium is a, a small country. Uh, it could also suggest that uh, something else going on related to this age could also suggest that uh, important uh, assets are close to uh, the headquarter and Belgian affiliates are typically close to the headquarters as well, given that the uh, distance in Belgium is very, very small and, um, and basically the typical travel time between two, uh, from one side of the country to the other side of the country is about two hours. Um, so uh, when we um, um, uh, then control for sales growth and productivity growth to control for the sexual specific sharks, um, we, uh, we see we, these results remain robust. When the group grows, we don't really see a significant effect of the headquarter dummy and the affiliate uh, dummy. And so it looks like there's some asymmetry uh, between uh, uh, multinationals that grow versus multinationals that decline. Multinationals that decline, we interpret as multinationals that restructure. And so the, what we find, in fact, is when multinationals restructure, it seems that they um, restructure in such a way that they preserve more jobs in headquarters compared to their affiliates. When they grow, the expansion seems to be proportional, uh, given there's no statistically significant difference between headquarters dummies and affiliates. Uh, so that seems to suggest that when they grow, they grow in a proportionate way both in Belgium uh, and, and in, uh, in other countries. Yeah. So, um, let me uh, wrap up. Uh, I, I was supposed to talk for about 45 minutes, you said. Um, so, uh, basically what we find, as I said, is that headquarters seem to have better performance than affiliates. Um, th this is when, when I give this talk to uh, a crowd of uh, non-economists and I didn't really know whether we we're going to have economists or not because you, you're now in the political department and but I understand you all are, are economists so that's a relief um, so this is the um, well yeah let's see that's that's industry that's manufacturing and that's that's uh, you're that clever so but this is basically the coefficients again in a graph, right? So basically the, the green uh, boxes are uh, referring to the coefficients uh, of headquarter dummies when they are declining, uh, while the uh, blue ones are those that, uh, that's for the full set uh, of firms and the red ones are those uh, firms that are growing. So we consistently seem to, to have that headquarters seem to outperform uh, the uh, others. Then we also did this thing for uh, distance, which is uh, we basically took an average distance of 500 kilometers uh, away from the headquarters to see then what the effects were. And so again, we see that uh, if you are restructuring, the effects are stronger in those affiliates which are far away. If you take an average of 500 kilometers, then the effect is in manufacturing a reduction of employment of 1.5%. So um, this is uh, ver fairly recent research. Um, I have a PhD student working on this. Um, so what we want to do is we want to explore uh, the role of information agency costs. So we can do that because we have information in the annual accounts of intangible assets and also uh, to a certain extent research and development expenditures. Um, social interactions and networks is a, is a bit harder uh, to proxy, but uh, um, there may be ways of doing that. Um, there's an interesting literature in, in sociology that looks at networks, social networks, uh, and in fact we have information, for instance, on the uh, uh, names of people in the board of directors uh, um, of these uh, firms, so we know who is in the board of directors of the headquarters and who is in the board of directors of of the affiliates and so what we are now trying to do is uh, find in fact networks between the different boards of directors and the uh, idea is if you have similar people appearing in the, sim in, in the different boards of directors they exchange information uh, and that uh, that may have an effect on, on the eventual uh, strategy of restructuring. 
the idea there that if you share common border, uh, common boards, that you will be uh, less harsh on cutting home employment. Um, and then the uh, other uh, thing to explore is uh, to check whether there is indeed cut cutting edge technology, uh, which is close to, close to headquarters. There's a paper by uh, Marin who kind of uh, suggests that this seems to be the case. Uh, that sort of information we can get from uh, survey work or, or uh, in-depth in uh, analysis of the particular plants. We only have like about 500 multinationals, so it's possible to check all of them. Okay, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, the, the story, the, the, the people are nice story is not one that goes with me, right? So the idea that uh, we know each other and we don't care, we want to fire each other, but um, don't want to fire each other. But I, I guess the, the, the thing that I kind of find interesting is that you could take this headquarter and their affiliates and you probably can show that more employment, they pay more taxes, you know, etc. But the R&D thing is important, right? Because um, a lot more people are finding out that a lot of products are what's called product-specific investments, right? And over time, what can happen is that small business supporting these multinationals or even the local universities or the people yep. start to invest in what's called product-specific capital, you know? And that really, what, we're, what they're sitting there is that their backward linkages into the local economy and suppliers is very strong and very product-specific. So the idea is that if they uproot their basic technology and they try to plant it somewhere else, is that they would have serious problems, right? So basically, what I'm trying to say is that um, they're not doing it for you know, some social reasons. Or they're doing it for a very good... No, I think agglomeration economies are probably playing a role. And so the big question then is if agglomerations, agglomeration economies play a role in, in the headquarters, then why wouldn't they play a role in the affiliates? And then I buy your argument that you should go down the supply chain to check whether the sort of affiliates that, uh, that are abroad, that they're operating really in different sectors and, 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 and that they don't need these agglomeration economies. Well, at headquarters, if R&D is important, then proximity to university, to a good logistical network, input-output linkages, uh, supplier linkages seem to be important. And in fact, we have measures. We've constructed recently measures. I have this new institute, VIVES. Uh, I always should announce that. Uh, that's, on that's an institute on regional economics. And so we have now uh, constructed measures of these agglomeration economies in, uh, in Belgium and also elsewhere where we indeed look at these knowledge spillovers, for instance, as well. And that's, that's definitely something worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two things that I'd be curious to know. So in your sample, you're using only multinationals? Yeah. Have you compared how a multinational looks compared to a Belgian firm with multiple headlines? Uh, no, that, uh, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, it's, it would be a nice counterfactual. Um, and uh, and so uh, it's possible to do that. Yeah, it's it's a different. It's of course a different sort of. Uh, different yeah, story, but yeah. I, I would expect that indeed multinationals would perform uh, better compared to Belgian uh, comparable firms because they are they they can they have a portfolio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I was sort of curious about is whether you could whether you have sufficient very observations in your data to try this. If you take a firm that's got one Belgian affiliate 100 kilometers that way, and another foreign affiliate, which also happens to be 100 kilometers this way, it just happens to be on the other side of the border, yeah. whether you could sort of think about distance as opposed to distance that crosses a border. Right. And so it is it a yeah. border effect? So I, you know, yeah. I came expecting to see something about home bias and consumption. Yeah. And, and so suddenly that sort of gets at that. Yeah, that, distant, yeah. But one that, that's a very interesting uh, exercise. Uh, and I think it should be feasible because we have about 1,500 Belgian affiliates of the multinational. And so then we have another 1,500 foreign affiliates. So I'm sure you have, you'd have a subset of right. multinationals where you have both Belgian yeah, affiliates. Belgium yeah. isn't that big. So how many would actually be equidistant yeah. in another country? That might be no, but that, you could actually do this because, like, just across the border with France, you have Lille, and, and, and uh, I mean, it, I think that's an interesting one to check for border effects, whether the effect on, say, those affiliates, like, say, northern part of France, compared to, say, then the affiliates 
uh, of an Antwerp multinational which are close to the German border. Uh, that's the sort of kind of thing you want to do. Because, uh, that's, that's an interesting one, yeah. You have, is there literature on, on these border effects? Yeah, yeah. Uh, within trade. Yeah. So, trade and goods. Yeah. yeah. So consumption ba driven basically. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Balloon, balloon. No, I didn't. No, they already hate me for other things. So, <laughs> uh, cultural differences. That's what's on the slide here. Eh? Cultural effects. So, um, yeah. It is, where are you going? Uh, I'm going? Actually, I'm going to Leuven. Okay. And then uh, before that, I'm giving a talk in Brussels. Are you giving a talk at, at Leuven? Yeah, there's some conference going on. Okay. So. In economics? Yeah, on okay. uh, economic geography and trade. Okay, yeah. That, but that's in December, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's next week. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, come, I, I know about it, but I won't be there because I'm, in, I'm somewhere else then. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's not so much that uh, it's being nice to people, it's that I rub your back, you rub mine. Yeah. So it's self-interested after all, but yeah. there's, there's some literature there from this, the small islands economics yeah. scene about this, this impact. You, you have a paper in mind? Um, no, I, I, I just happen to yeah. know. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. I can refer you actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. No, any kind of um, idea would be great because I don't think there's much literature on this. And so uh, th this is kind of just a first step to, we first kind of want to establish that there is an effect and then the next step is, you know, what can explain the effect, yeah. Okay. So I guess, um, unfortunately, Jok is leaving at four, so he was not certain whether the airplanes would keep on flying, you know, that's why I took a <laughs> 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 I should have mentioned that Jok uh, jumped academia for a while and went to uh, be Barossa's advisor, you know, and um, he was thinking that it must be Kushier outside the university, like even that he worked so hard inside the university, but he, after a while he kind of realized that my bathroom and kitchen was refurbished and I could come back to academia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so temporary, temporary uh, reallocation. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you.